Before we begin, we have a favor to ask. If you like this podcast, please help us spread the word about the show. Go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Another way is to tell a fellow art teacher. Either way, it helps others find the show. The Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast has a lot of information regarding teaching art, not just for tab teachers, but for anyone who is looking to further their understanding of children in a choice-based classroom. This show is about finding new ways to engage children and help them find their voice through visual arts. everyone, and welcome to the Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. My name is Clark Freilich. And I'm Clyde Gaw. Today, we have a special edition Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. This is the conversation Clyde and I had via Google Meet on Thursday, December 17th. Enjoy. Okay, so we are recording, and uh, I'll just go through the questions as they were presented to us. And... Um, offer my bits, and then um, folks can jump in. Uh, and so the first question was from Pam Hill, and she asked a question. She would like to know more about assessing middle school and elementary students' work and learning goals. And, you know, uh, how does one go about doing that? And and I merely would state that, um, you know, are the kids able to do a self-assessment? Uh, can they journal? And I know some teachers use rubrics to guide the self-assessment. Um, and of course, uh, a lot of these answers I'm giving you, I've stolen from Kathy Douglas and Diane Jacobs' book, Engaging Learners Through Art Making. So I'll be referencing uh, that book often here uh, because that's kind of like my go-to source um, but um, you know thinking about assessment uh, assessing uh, student growth student learning um, documenting that evidence with uh, portfolios has been a time-honored way that uh, artists show their show what they can do and Clark and I were doing uh, portfolio development back in the uh, late 1990s and early 2000s, and that's kind of our go-to thing. But um, you know, they're documenting evidence and having re students reflect on that on their learning is a big thing with TAB. Um, I know if you go on the TAB educators site. I mean, that is a great resource right there because it's, since Kathy and Diane's book, much has been added uh, and new uh, tricks to assessment uh, that people have um, uh, invented or have adapted are, are in the uh, 
the file section. And if you just go to the search bar on the tab educator site uh, and query your, your question or your, your special word, you'll get all kinds of information about it. Mark, what do you think? What, what's, what do you think about assessment, particularly with uh, little kids, middle schoolers? So most of the most of my assessment is observation and portfolios and interviewing with children. Um, I know there was a time when we had to do common assessments and everyone's like, well, everyone. And it was like three years ago when Brian, our curriculum guy says, you need to have common assessment. And Clyde and I just kind of looked at each other and it's like, how we just can't do that. Um, because kids are all, every kid is different. And um, so we would get in these big long conversations with our curriculum director about what is uh, developmentally appropriate and, and how, um, that just that didn't work for us in, in TAP. But I do portfolios with kids. Um, they upload their own work. They write about their own work. I photograph them when they're working. I videotape them talking about their artwork. Uh, and then it all boils down to a, I have a, a kind of a standards based assessment for our grade book and it's it's really geared right from the national standards i just pulled you know create making art meaningful art you know they're going to do that uh, they can talk about their art share reflect those type of things and and so it's easy as far as me as giving not really giving a grade but assessing what they do because it's what they do all the time. Uh, and, and there's no, it's, it's trying, trying to make it as judgment free as possible. Um, so kids can create without the fear of failing, without the fear of looking stupid, not doing it right. Um, you know, they, they bring all that into the studio and I'm constantly having to, like, try to, to erase it from the regular classroom. Um, and you know, today, I, I think we were, I had a, in second grade, I had a boy who was trying to do a God's eye. And I had another boy teaching him, uh, showing him how to do it. And he was just struggling trying to, to, to do it right. And he was, like, in tears. And, and I sat down and talked to him. I said, you know, let's, let's take this one step at a time. I know you can do it. You know, you showed me you could do it. And we just walked it around and, and you know, he needed that little extra help. And then eventually he got it and he was fine. Um, but then, you know, trying to have peers help is one way of helping and, and you know that's that's just it's all with the as Clyde would say the umvelt of the studio um, 
when, when it's all working, uh, the assessment part to me is easy. I used to stress over assessing, having thinking, or I had to be like everyone else. And the studio is not like any other classroom. So my assessment doesn't have to be like everyone else. I don't have to have a hundred grades. I, I see teachers who have, it's, it's a thing, they have to have grades. It's like, why, why are you putting in all, why are you spending 10 hours of your weekend putting grades in a grade book? How is that helping the child? It doesn't. If, uh, you know, thinking about the national standards, and I know every state is different. I know I, we are fortunate in Indiana that we adapted the national fine arts standards, visual arts standards for the basis of our, uh, the basis of our um, uh, assessments, uh, I'm, uh, the basis of, uh, of, of what I am assessing. So I'm using the first, I'm really coming down hard on the first three uh, standards, which is uh, generating an idea, um, it's basically, they're basically Kathy Douglas's learning goals. Uh, researching an idea, conceptualizing an idea, and experimenting with the idea. Uh, those are, that's the first three uh, standards uh, that uh, were developed uh, uh, and adopted by the, uh, I'm pretty certain National Department of Education. Uh, but it's also what we use in the state of Indiana. I don't know how it is in other states, but I would tell my administrator that you know those those uh, first three standards are what we should really be looking at. And um, uh, I know there's one about reflecting and art criticism, and also uh, there's eleven national standards altogether. Um, uh, one on exhibiting work. I mean, those are the other ones are like gravy. I think as long as you can uh, document the, the child uh, through, or they can self-document, you can show that uh, through the standards, uh, doc, standards bureaucracy <laughs> that uh, you know kids are meeting standards in a tab classroom. And I know that's always been. It's always been a uh, concern of some teachers that you know how do I how do I show well if you if you t photograph the kids or you have pictures of their work and, and I like to take pictures in progress uh, of kids in action those are powerful documents powerful objects of evidence does anyone else want to jump in here uh, who else has some thoughts on assessment because that's a big topic. I know if um, Jean was Jean had mentioned earlier, she said, uh, and Jean, you can jump in anytime. You, she has uh, she has to write out two um, two grades per week. It's in their handbook. Is that that is that right, Jean? You can elaborate. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm high school, and the question was about middle school and elementary school. Sorry if I'm an echo. I'm in my garage. You're fine. Um, but it's in our handbook and I used to not follow the rules and I know like in the end it doesn't really matter my evaluation but like we get 
get you nasty emails if you're not getting grades in. And I know grades and assessment aren't the same thing because I assess my kids all the time and they're learning and where they are in their journey, but I still have to put those stupid grades in. And it, I mean, it's really hard. Like, like I, right now, we end it today. It's a six week marking period, but it really was only five weeks long. So I had to come up with extra grades somewhere. You know, and I'm like, well, I guess I'll give you this extra weird grade. I don't know where it's coming from. I guess we'll grade this twice. You know, it's, it's really hard. And I'm kind of this, I've been doing that engagement grade and I'm getting disillusioned with that too. Cause it's not really, I don't know. It's not, it's a, I, I guess it's not really helpful to anyone, but it's, it's a hard a waste of your time. It is a waste of my time. <laughs> um, you know, the it's uh, it's just a part of the uh, the bureaucratic uh, conundrum, and um, uh, well, we feel at high school that it doesn't help either because kids also get kids that are going to go to college, they get used to this padded grade this system, twelve grades. That's a lot. Where some courses have two grades, so they're not really understanding the purpose of what they're trying to learn, like, and all that kind of stuff. It really, it's not helpful in any sense. I wish I had a good answer for, for your predicament, Gene. I, you know what, when I, I've, I have whittled my grades. I have five grading uh, columns for each for a portfolio that kids turn in at the high school level. And I know back in when I was teaching elementary, uh, Clark and I were doing, uh, so, uh, we, we use signifiers. It was um, exceed standard, meet standard, and progressing towards standard. So that was easy. You know, every, you, could, you could get an M for meet standard and, or an E for exceed standard. Um, you know, I, I never gave a P, um, but um, at high school. You never get an N. Is that what is that what is an N? Yeah. No. Need, no. No. No effort or so. It was something. Oh, no. No observable progress. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't give N's either. I, you know, P's. Kids are trying and doing their best. They're they're progressing, and then they're eventually going to to meet their standard or their goal or whatever it is that they want to do, and explaining to them. I, I use the metaphor of as a as a ladder, you know, you're 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 climbing a ladder to a certain point, and everyone's going to be at different points on the ladder, because um, uh, they they're so used to the M meaning mastery, and I'm like, no, I'm not a master, so no one's going to be a master yet. Yeah, yeah, Gene, I feel so awful for you because I think you know that's. That's like, um, you know, you're an uh, academic labor uh, in that situation, and and you and they really don't. They need to uh, listen to you with respect to your expertise in the field and what your expert opinion is. And the administration, if they're giving you a cold shoulder, shoulder um, about you know, no, this this is just not. Uh, this is an absurdity is what it is it really is yeah I, I mean it's a whole thing you have to go through the board and I, it's i don't know like they used to not care and then some kid who was like in the top two 
percent like didn't get 12 grades from a teacher and threw a hissy fit and you know it's a whole thing <laughs> but clark and i clark and i have have said well then you have to you know you have to play play it out and do whatever you have to do to play it out and you don't want to do you know number one rule don't get the teacher in trouble yes don't get the art teacher in trouble whatever we're already we're already on you know walking on thin ice uh, it seems at least we feel that way go ahead Ms. Bella. yeah i was gonna say i teach elementary school and um i'm fortunate in that i work for a, a private school who pretty much lets me do whatever i want um which is good and bad but one of the things that i really like about tab is that you can assess for studio behaviors as well like does the student know where the centers are does the student and it's kind of like I base most of my assessment in general off of has the student shown initiative? Has the student, um, does the student respect the materials? Does the student know where this, does they, do they participate in cleanup? It's more like a community assessment that I get to do. Um, and then having a starting point, like you said, portfolios, um, having a starting point to see where each individual human has gone um if it it really like what are you assessing for are you assessing to give somebody a number grade or are you assessing to see what and how they've grown based on who they are but the thing that i do like about tab like i said is that you can assess that community behavior and you really can reward those kids who they love to sort the cardboard scraps and love to, you know, that big community and parts get some like super grades every time. And you get to recognize them for that awesomeness, which I love um, instead of how awesome is your painting that looks like mine, you know? So that's, that's, and we use a rubric system. Like you were saying, we use a one to four and I've never given a one I've given lots of threes, which is meets expectations. And I hardly, I don't give a lot of fours because you got to do a lot, I think, to get that exceeds, you know, the expectations. Um, but I do give them, it's just not very often. Thank you. I know there there are, uh, you know, assessing out, there are like assessment tools that you can use um, uh, for specific, um, I'm gonna share my screen with everybody here in a second. Uh, uh, I wrote about, um, you know, the, sometimes you'll have to show uh, growth. Uh, and so one of the things that uh, I, I was using when I was teaching elementary was uh, the uh, um, the Grant Wiggins rubric uh, for creative rubric to show growth. And I'll just show you, I'll just share that with you for just a second. Um, we and, modified uh, it. Yeah, we, yeah, we modified it so that um, I'm going to go ahead and show this to you. Here we go. So, can you guys see that? Okay. Um, so, so you go ahead and <clears throat> you, <clears throat> you start out with a baseline. Oops, oh, you start out with a baseline um, image. Here's here's a heart. Now, I got reamed about this. Uh, the heart was the child's first drawing that she did back in August. And, um, you know, it's a be beautiful heart drawing. She's a, this is a uh, little third grader. And uh, <clears throat> uh, three months later, she did this landscape with turkeys. 
and a tree. And so I scored her one extra point on the rubric scale. Uh, and, um, you know, that's, that's another way to show growth with an uh, assessment tool. Uh, and um, I, I wrote about that on um, my blog. Um, here's some other examples. Um, so, you know, but, you know, thinking about that, that's, you know, when I thought, when, after I thought, after I did that, though, I thought, yeah, there's growth there, but um, <clears throat> is, does it really matter? Um, you know, thinking about, you know, that particular tool so solved a bureaucratic problem, uh, but um, to the child, it doesn't mean, you know, they're on to the next thing. And so that was just something I devised to appease administration. And, um, you know, they, they like it because it shows that, you know, that there's data. The state of Indiana requires that you use a data-driven uh, uh, instrument to prove growth. And, well, okay, there you go, state of Indiana. There's your data-driven instrument. And Wiggins, Grant Wiggins, he and Jay McTie, anything they've written is gold to the uh, bureaucrats at the Indiana State Legislature. So, you know, they, 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 it passes muster. So, um, so that worked out. Um, I don't know, does anyone else have any, here to share any thoughts? Um, Kathy has her hand up. Kathy, can you, you can talk, I think, can you? Yeah. Um, I will, I will offer, first of all, the fact that I never uh, wrote report cards um, for my almost a thousand kids a week. You know, I imagine the detail I could have gone into. But um, over the years, I tried to see what other people were concerned about and what they were having to do. And so this, some of this is just as an observer, but it occurred to me that I was hearing about four kinds of assessment. And the first kind is like Clyde's been talking about, it comes from your district or your state or um, maybe a politician, um, a testing company that wants money um, and you really can't do much about that because your job often depends on it so if you can't do anything about it you just do it and then for me the second sort which is something that i did do as much as i could uh, was to find a way to communicate with parents um, which i think is very important um, and if you read um John Crow's uh, Long Road to Choice, which is on the website, um, he offered to his administration a, an insert for the report card where he was able, and also Pauline, um, Pauline Joseph. Uh, Joseph did that also in her school. She said, I'm happy to communicate with the parents, but I can't do it the same way as the math teacher. So proactively, 
um, both of these teachers did that. Um, I made an insert for the report card that merely said what had been introduced in the class. So it was not a grade, but really a lot of the parents were just interested in well, what's been going on in the class. So there's a lot of ways to do that. And if you can do it proactively, that's, that's a plus. The next was the conversations, a la Clark, that I had with my students in the moment. Um, you know, in the little video that got made in my room, you know, somebody is not happy with their print. And I'm saying, why do you think that happened? Um, what kind of paper did you use? Just asking questions. I'm not saying you use the wrong paper, but I love to ask questions that can help the children um, focus better. And then the last, which I don't think it's talked about very much, is the voice in the head. Because I don't know that um, because of other parts of school, um that their thought processes are brought to the front and of course in tab their thought processes are the the front of everything and so helping supporting students into saying okay i made this mark on my paper how do i what do i follow it with what happens next and what happens next that voice in the head that's going and i don't know without us gently talking about that and asking questions that they can develop that so i think that's really important and and you guys who have high school you may have kids who no teacher has ever asked them about their thought processes so and it's you know an individual thing so those are the four things and the first two the first one you can't do anything about, the sec and is unique to your own district. So how could anybody tell you what you should do other than don't get fired? And then the second one, again, even though you have to do the report card to give an attempt to proactively say, ooh, you know what? This is maybe even more useful. And then you're already doing the best thing which is uh, commenting and conversing with the students in the moment. And that's so important. And isn't that fun? Without saying you did that wrong, but oh, what happened here? Or how did you do that? How did you make that color? You know, the kid's like, oh, I hate my painting. And I'm going, yeah, but see that color over there. How did you do that? You know, and, and to get them talking. And then the last one is, and I don't really know how I did it, but uh, yeah, I love Becca's comment. <laughs> um, the good news is there's a lot of ungrading now out in the world and I'll, I've talked too long, but anyway, think about those four things and what you can do and I'll put my hand down. We wouldn't be Well. <laughs> Um, lots of uh, good information uh, shared on assessment. That's, you know, that's a bedeviling uh, subject for art teachers because, you know, we're, you know, uh, 
would you just take my take our word for it? We've been watching your child, and we uh, we know what's going on. So, but that's not the case. We have to provide evidence and uh, uh, show that uh, you know standards are being met, and all the and all the other uh, bureaucratic uh, uh, hoops. And, but yeah, it's it's a uh, assessment what a conundrum um but i you know I, I i think the simpler we can get by with it the better off we are um i really think that's the way to go uh, however we can simplify assessment jennifer go ahead yeah um i'm just wondering how people keep track of what they notice um you know, when you're buzzing around the room, I know the PE teacher, she's got a clipboard with all of these checklists that she's checking off all the time. And I'm having all these conversations and, you know, getting excited about the conversations and, you know, getting paint out and, yeah, getting some glue and getting all these things that we need. And, you know, you're so fast-paced and, um, you know, your hands are all dirty and whatever. And, like, you know, you haven't got time. You're trying to get to the next kid to have the conversation with them rather than be keeping a checklist. And then they're gone and the next grade comes in. And it's so okay. How do you keep it? So, so I, I've got folios where I I don't let the kids take anything home unless they're really bent on it until the end of the um until the end of the semester. And they keep they put all of it in there, all of their paint experiments, everything in there. And um, you know, I could go to it at any time. But I tend not to because I'm busy doing all the other things. And then at the end of the semester, like this, we've just finished up now, um, I've been going through making sure I've got photographs of everything that they had in their folder so that I can um, compare it and have evidence of how they were working this year compared to how they worked the following year. Um, and I, you know, I was... You know, I could just take photos of their wow pieces because we all work towards having a, a wow piece at the end, but there's so much more in it than just the wow piece. So I want to show you the other bits, but, yeah, I know that one thing I need to do is keep a checklist or for a checklist, keep a checklist of who I've talked to because I sometimes I do, like I, I was pulling out folios the other day and I realised, oh, my God, look at everything this kid has done that has pass me by you know you've got the other kids that come up and look at what I've done and oh I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that but then you get these kids that um, just fly under the radar quiet achievers or quiet not achievers um, and they can slip by a little bit um, either without the celebration or without the support so that's what I really want to be able to do is to be able to make sure that I'm that I'm attending to everybody, but also trying to find a more efficient way of keeping track of what everybody is doing. Um, and, and 
like for assessment for, for me, and I think it's true for our school, our school wants to see what you're using to base your next, next teaching on, to base your learning intentions on and, um, and all of that. I find it really difficult to come up with learning intentions and success criteria. That's what our, our um, admin want to see at the moment. Well, what's your learning intention and success criteria for this lesson? It's like, gosh, there's so many with all the, there's a different one for every kid. So I find that really tricky. But yeah, I don't know. I might have lost my point there, but just trying to keep track of it all and and be able to prove that things are going amazingly and um, and back it up with the evidence. But so go ahead, Mark. So you know, it's if if you try to assess everything like most administrators want you assess you'd spend all the time assessing students and not doing things uh, so what i typically do and i do keep track of the names of the kids i talk to and the more you talk to the kids the more you know the kids and you you just see what's happening so i will usually pick a grade or a class and that is the class that i will do the nitpicky assessment because it, I'm, if I'm doing it in one class, I'm doing it in all the classes. And so when my administrator says, show me how you're doing this, I have all that information for one class, but I know I've been doing it for all the classes. Um, I have the videos of the conversations that I have because I, you know, kids want to share their work and I'm always pull out my phone and I record it. Um, so, you know, try not to beat yourself up trying to keep track of 900 kids because it's almost physically impossible to do all that you know keep track of who you talk to that's that's a great way but the more you talk to the kids you know you're gonna you're gonna know it's it amazes me and it always still does when i do shows and i put up thousand pieces of artwork when that one student comes up and says, I can't find my work. And I know exactly where it is because I know what he's been working on all year. And I don't have to, you know, I can, it's just around the corner, look about halfway up the wall, and it's right there. And even though he doesn't know it, because I've spent the time talking with the kids and working with the kids, and that's where I spend my time is with the kids and the conversations and helping them one on one as opposed to making sure it looks good to the administration. Does that make sense? So, you know, so when they walk in and um, another thing that I, I noticed that, and I mentioned this the other day with um, people in um, mass art is to keep a, a binder of supporting things for your program. So anything that supports tab, photographs, articles, um, notes that you've written down, anything, I put it in a, in a binder, a big physical binder, and I always have it there. And so when, when a, someone comes in, they said, well, they just look like they're playing, I can explain to them why play is important. I can tell them, you know, look what they're doing with their spatial, their, their, their 
um, now I lost my um, dexterity and things like, you know, I lost my thought, but um, in, in cooperative learning and collaboration and all these things that have to do with play, you know, they have to, they have to negotiate with each other or, you know, they're learning language skills. Uh, and then I say, if you want to read more, I'll pull out the binder and say, here. And they're going, okay, that's all I need to know. You know, they don't. If, when, if, if you know why a certain thing is happening and you can explain it to anybody, you have the confidence of, you know, because you are the expert. Most administrators feel, feel intimidated by the arts teachers, the music teachers, because they have no clue. They don't get it. They just don't. And so in order to, you know, I think it's it's a power thing for some of them. And we just went through one of those experiences with a administrator who didn't get it and tried to throw her weight around and tell people exactly how they needed to do it. But, you know, she's not here. I'm still here. Not that. One, one of the uh, accountability tools that um, uh, Diane Jakewith used, and maybe Kathy and Clark can talk about this later and somebody else who uses it, is uh, she will have a, a list of, uh, she would create these lists of her class classrooms of her students and a, uh, a, cross, a cross list, a checklist of the centers that are available in the room. And she would have the students put like a little dot or a sticker uh, on uh, for that particular day, uh, what center they worked at. Uh, and so they, she could track them using that graph, uh, she could track them uh, throughout the course of the, uh, the semester, the, the nine weeks or whatever the grading uh, schedule was. But um, um, Kathy, can, is that, go ahead, Kathy, uh, share with us what you know about Diane. Oh, sorry, hold on. Just, oh. Yeah. Um, actually, Bonnie Muir Gauss and I um, piloted it when oh. she was teaching with me, and I never used it, but um, we found this chart paper and we said, "Ah, <laughs> let's do it." Well, I saw I saw Diane using it, and I thought maybe well, she, that's where she it learned came. it from Bonnie, and she learned it from Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, but I never used it because you know I just didn't. Um, but um, a lot of people keep track in their like teacher book, and to me, that's the teacher doing a lot of work. And if the kid, the kids should be keeping track of what they do. And it, it took her; she only had like second and third grade, I think, or first through third. And those are really little kids. And people say, "Oh, the kids wouldn't do it," and it just took her a little bit of time at the beginning of the year reminding them and then they totally did it and what they found was that the children often didn't realize all of the places they'd been um the teacher 
could realize that some classes were very heavy in a particular medium. So you could look at that and say, oh, I better get out some more cardboard because those sculpture people are coming in next period. Um, and for the people who wanted the children to change centers periodically, this was so easy because you could put it out there up front, you know, after four weeks in a center or four classes doing the same, following the same path, I'm going to ask you to change for a little while. And so the kids would say, oh, yeah, look at that. I've been there three times. This is my last time. And then I'm going to go do something else. So the children are, are really paying attention. If the parents come in, there you go. If your administrator comes in, look at that. And what I would say these days is call it a data wall. You know, that's that's the buzzword, but that's exactly what it is. And um, uh, it worked. And so Diane used it and the kids liked it. And she, when she did her attachment test, where the older kids couldn't use the sculpture center unless they did the attachment test, so there, when they had passed the attachment test, she would make a little mark on that chart for them. And that was their key to go in there. So it just had multiple, multiple um, uses, but the children were doing it, not the teacher. And the teacher doesn't have to keep grabbing the book saying, wait a minute, where, where were you last week? So that's my long-winded answer I'm going to turn off here. That's that Kathy, thank you yes, so much did you for have a sharing. Question? Your hand is up. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to talk about um, studio tracking as well. Um, I do same thing like Kathy was saying. Like if you have the kids get into a routine, it just becomes natural to them, and they're they can track what they're doing. And you could even um, I use digital studio tracking, so I make a Google form. And they just check off what they're doing. Um, and then I have the form populate into a spreadsheet. And I also ask them for the day, um, like, what do they need from me? Do they need help from me? Um, do they just want to say hi and check in from me? So in my spreadsheet, I will have that open at the beginning of class. So it will populate all these different colors pop up automatically so I can see, oh, Sarah wants me to go say hi. I'm going to go over and check in with Sarah. Um, but I've had that spreadsheet save me a few times when, you know, admin will come down the hall and say, oh, what was Bobby doing on Wednesday? And I'll pull it up and go, okay, here we go. Here's what he was doing on Wednesday. This is what was happening. So, but yeah, I, I really like um, the digital studio tracking because everything's right there, right in your computer, which is really nice. Jesse, you wrote an article that was published in School Arts Magazine on, on exactly that topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. My. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say that's that's a, a great topic uh, in this day and age of accountability, and um, perhaps I should take I should reread your article. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And it's well, my principal actually pushed me to write it because he he put it on my evaluation as one of the highlights. He was he was saying if I was teaching writing in my classroom because. You know, in writing, kids are at different stages. He goes, I would use this as a tool, and this is how I would use it. So um, he was very impressed with it, and I 
it's been something I've used forever and I enjoy it. That's thank you so much, Jesse, because that really, you know, this, that's an important topic. Jennifer, does that help you out at all? Je yes. Uh, yeah. I think before we go on, Jennifer, I have to, are you in New South Wales? Victoria. Victoria, where's, is that? It's is below that, New South Wales. Right below New South Wales. So you're yeah. down, uh, way down under. Yeah, far east in Victoria. We are at the oh bottom of Australia. Goodness. You're joining <laughs> from all halfway across the world. Welcome. Thank you. Hey, yeah. Oh, great, great uh, conversation about assessment. I, I want, I'd love to continue talking about assessment, but Robin Shearer had a wonderful question about uh, engagement that we need to cover. Uh, Robin, do you want to, do you want me to share the question or do you want to talk, do you want to start it off or you, you, your question was about digital engagement. Can you elaborate a little bit for us? Uh, yeah, we're mostly face-to-face -face at this point, but some families have opted out and they are remote. And there's problems with getting the remote kids engaged. I mean, just even getting them to sign on. And, and my experience is different because I am working in a special ed middle school. It's entirely special ed. Um, so that's a different situation than than most people have but like trying to entice these kids to just turn on and plug into the computer i feel like they're they're expected to be on all day long with all of their teachers and i i feel like some of them are just like you know screw it i'm not going to art i need a half hour break from the screen um and, and that's just what I'm seeing happening. And it's like, how can I tempt them? How can I entice them when they're physically in my room? Like, oh, you like Spider-Man? Here's a Marvel how to draw book. Like I, I, I can catch them when I can actually see them. And some of them, you know, they've been in my building for a while, but I just can't get them to turn on. And no amount of calling parents is, is you know, I, like, I, like, I don't want to get them in trouble for not showing up. Um, and I feel like, you know, the kids in my building just have so many issues to start with. Like, you know, some of them are from pretty abusive families. Like, I don't want to be the cause of a trauma for a child because they're not coming in. So what are you people doing with your remote kids that gets them excited? I mean, not the ones who would naturally be excited anyway, but the ones who are just not tuning in, like I'm at a loss. Um, <clears throat> that is, uh, you know, such a compelling situation. Um, can you guys hear me okay? I had a glitch. Um, I'm thinking that um, <laughs> engagement, <laughs> engagement, I had a glitch. Sorry about that. Uh, engagement is uh, a byproduct of uh, meaningful experience, I think. Uh, and so uh, celebrating those moments when uh, children have done something that you can celebrate, I think, uh, adds to their uh, desire to engage. And so um, 
and you know, online uh, online learning, virtual learning, has been, um, you know, lights being shed on the fact that uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be, uh, and you, we have this problem of disengagement. Uh, children are um, conditioned to be passive in front of screens in our culture, and um, it's problematic. There's no substitute for face-to-face. -face. Um, thinking about what is out there from a the corporate education, the world of corporate education, I think there's a lot of behaviorist kinds of uh, strategies that have to do with rewards and punishments. And, um, and I, I want to avoid those things like the plague. And so, um, uh, you know, getting kids to engage in this era of our history, um, this time in our history, it's not an era yet, I hope it's not. Um, you know, that, that's, uh, it's, it's a difficult thing, Robin. And I, I my heart goes out to you, um, particularly if you think about children you know, with severe uh, cognitive disabilities. What do you, you know, and you can, you can uh, uh, collaborate with the parents, but the bottom line is if the child is not willing, does not desire, it's going to be a difficult thing. So um, I, can anyone else shed some light on this topic for Robin? I can, a little bit. Go ahead. Um, when we went remote it, um, last, last year, because um, we're face-to-face -face now, one of the things that I found was helpful, especially if your kids need adult assistance. How old are your kids, Robin? Like middle, yeah, they're middle school, right? So depending on um, what they had time for, I if there's ways that you can have them submit work that's not like right there on the screen, I had quite a few kids whose, in minor elementary, whose parents were just done by the time their art class rolled around. So I never saw their faces in real life, but I did see their work because they would email me or they would use Flipgrid. Um, they love Flipgrid if their parents would actually download it um, because then they could give me little videos and then I could comment. Um, but a lot of them I did not see until the end of the year when it's like it's just a party day, but I, I did see see their work come in and I would give them, you know, that same opportunity to do whatever I was asking the kids to do who did show up. Um, so if you've got that availability to have them just submit when it's not like on the, when it's on their own time, instead of that 30 minutes that they're tired of being on the screen. Um, that was very helpful for me. I'd, I would also say be tolerant. Mm -hmm. I, I would say tolerance and, um, um, uh, Nona Orbach, has, uh, who's a uh, art therapist in Israel, has been uh, posting on the tab web website. But you know, it's like, is it good enough? And uh, thinking about um, uh, Keith Herring's quote on page three of Engaging Learners, you know, how talking about our differences, and even with respect to learning, um, you know, we we all have differences. And Robin, my heart goes out to you because you're working with children with us, you know, severe cognitive needs uh, or severe cognitive disabilities. And so whatever you can, you know, whatever little battles you can win is, is the big win, I think. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the, the cap out of the bag since COVID has hit us with respect to 
um, you know, the, uh, the, the so-called wonders of uh, online learning have been, you know, the, uh, the, the curtain's been drawn on the, uh, the man behind uh, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the scene in The Wizard of Oz where uh, the, the wizard is not really a wizard. He's just another guy. And um, so there's no, there's no substitute for face-to-face. Uh, and you know, there, there just isn't there, there's so, but Robin, I appreciate your question. I don't know if we helped you at all with it. Is that, I don't, I don't know, know whether it was helpful so much as just, you know, yeah, we get it. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So Robin, thank you. That's a great question. Um, you know, doing the best we can, right? Yeah, it's all we can do. There was another, there was another temp meeting maybe a month ago, and I just said, you know, I know I'm better than this. I'm just not better than this this year. Lisa has something to say. Go ahead, Lisa. Turn your mic on, Lisa. First of all, hi everybody. Nice to see everyone. Co co uh, Lisa is the co-creator of the Tab Educators Facebook page. Go ahead, Lisa. Um, so regarding engagement and remote learning, um, I, I teach, uh, K through five elementary and I'm currently actually on a leave of teaching this year because the parameters in which I was being asked to go back, I was not comfortable with. Um, so just in reflection of us, many of us who went remote last spring, um, at a moment's notice. You know, I found that my evolution through that process was a lot of letting go of what I previously viewed as engagement. Um, being in class, they're right in front of you. So you can measure engagement. I did a lot by observation and you can respond to that and um, something we're used to. So I kind of assumed like going remote and I ran a Google classroom for my three, three third through fifth graders and a Facebook platform for my K2. And, you know, I, as many people uh, were faced with non-response in the way that I was expecting them to. Um, when we would meet, some wouldn't show up. So I uh, had to come to the realization that maybe it's engagement is not going to be measured by what I'm seeing from them when I want to see things from them but I started creating different avenues for them to connect, I guess. So, you know, I had one little girl that would never show up on my Google Classroom, but she just started emailing me her work. I had another girl who, um, not her classroom teacher couldn't even get a hold of her, and I ended up sending out supply boxes to all of them, and it got her, and I ended up just like I do in school, at lunchtime, we have what we call open studio, and it's like no pressure. Kids come in and just work, and I'm just a, a presence in the room. I started doing that on Wednesdays, just having open studio where they could come and work, and that's literally what we did. And I got a lot of those kids that didn't show up for, like, the official meetings who would just come to open studio. So I created multiple avenues in which kids could connect, and maybe they didn't connect every week. Um, but if they did a few times through that semester, 
I just had to rethink my way of engagement. I asked myself, were they engaging in their personal art making at home? I had to assume they were. And basically I was measuring when they were checking in with me. And was I giving them enough support to continue doing that? And that's what my Google Classroom started to become was just support for whenever the kids wanted to check in. Um, and then they had multiple modes of being able to check in with me, sometimes at their own pace. And I just reframed my way of thinking about it. And it helped my heart feel a bit better with all the work I was putting in because most of those kids were engaging in their personal art making at home. They just weren't checking in with me the way I thought they should. So just some reflection. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a, uh, in, in this day and age, you know, thinking about what's happening in the home, what's happening in the, in the hearts and minds of children right now, and what's, you know, all of the out of school factors that affect children's capability to, uh, to learn and to, uh, to uh, remain focused on classroom activities. Um, this is a, a real conundrum right now. So I think tolerance is helpful um, and authenticity. Um, I you know, one, oh, slide, one more thing for that. That young lady who we kind of got back into engagement through art, she was uh, living in a motel room with her mom. And, um, you know, I could tell like there's just one bed in the room, you know, so a lot of these kids, you're given a very uh, fresh, they know that like getting on video or showing up is them exposing a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, I found that kind of relationships that I had to create in school a lot with trust and how to continue nurturing that remotely remains not just as important, but in a lot of times more important. Um, because we have a window into their world. And so just creating, continuing to create that environment of safety and comfort for them remotely uh, continues. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we are really frontline workers when you think about it. Frontline workers, no question about it. Um, I want to be, uh, respectful of all of your time, uh, we are we are at one hour. Believe it or not, this talk, this conversation conversation has flown by. I am willing to stick around for another half hour. I'm willing. Oh, that's fine. I'm willing to stick around for another half hour if folks want to remain in the call. Uh, but I'm respectful of your time. If you just want to slip out, that's perfectly fine. Um, uh, Kathy, is it bed? Is it bedtime for, for Kathy? If it's bedtime, I'm perfectly. We're perfectly fine with that. We. Uh, hey, I shoveled snow for two and a half hours, and I'm seven years old, so I'm going thank you to bed. For <laughs> this was so thank much you. fun. I love all you wonderful people. Can we do this again? Sure. And wow, Jennifer, <laughs> what time is it there? You're muted. She's muted. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Now, it's perfect timing for me because it's um it's been from twelve to one o'clock. So, <laughs> and it's our last day of um, school for the year, and there's no kids here. It's just a bit of a clean up day. So, yay! Up and on to meet you guys. 
at last. Jennifer, it's <laughs> going to be Boxing Day pretty soon. It's going to be Boxing yeah. Day. Yes. In another week, isn't it? Boxing Day. <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night, Kathy. Thank you. Good night, Clark. Uh, how do I get out of here? <laughs> My internet's not letting me text in the chat now, but thank you. Good night. Becca, Good thank night, you all. for joining thank us. You. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Um, we can, those folks who want to hang out some more, I'm willing to. I'm here for a while, Clark. I know you need. You haven't been. You haven't. Uh, you want to stick around for a while, Clark? Or no, I mean, I'm. I'm gonna. I gotta head home. Okay, yeah, because you. It's, um, you got to get up early. I'm sitting at home in my kitchen, so I'm doing You're fine. virtual. You're still virtual. Yeah. Face well, to face, so. Yeah. Sorry about that, Miss Mr. Art Teacher. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, we'll we'll go ahead and keep we're going to keep the conversation going for another uh, till uh, the half half of the hour. So uh, because uh, because uh, we only got through two questions. I know, but uh, that's okay. But we got we're helping people, right? So, they're pretty important questions. Yeah, if you want that's to, pretty, um, oh, go ahead. Do another one. Just let me know. Okay. So, Right. I think Kathy, Kathy wants to do another one. We can just hang out. I think it would be great there. to schedule this more often, you guys. Yeah. They yeah. said so good to see your face. Well, just yeah, seeing so everybody, I'm see telling you. you. Um, see, we, we stole this idea from Jesse Ruby. And um, uh, and um, so, um, but she's much more organized than me, and she doesn't. She doesn't leave her meeting in the middle of it like I did. Um, so she's really got it going. But um, well, let's let's move let's move on, Clark. I know you have to leave. Um, yep. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Clark. Hey, everybody. Thanks. Bye, bye, Clark. How do I turn this off? <laughs> oh. Okay, our next question uh, was from Claire Dillahay. And Claire was asked a question about grouping strategies. Um, I just have to say that uh, I just let it happen. Uh, when I, I just, and you know, and there's a sound uh, learning theory uh, rationale for that to happen. And uh, it, children learn better when they're in groups, uh, or at least many, many children learn better that way. So, uh, uh, and that's uh, the core, um, uh, a core point of Vygotsky's work was that uh, when you are working together, like we're all working together um, right now, just having conversations, discussions that's a good wonderful thing so anytime that an organic collaboration can occur i'm you know i try to make it happen as quickly as possible so i don't does anyone want to share their thoughts on that topic 
Anybody else have a thought on collaboration? I, I, I think it's a wonderful thing, particularly if you have a reluctant child. If you have a reluctant child, collaboration is a very good thing. And um, go ahead, Ms. Bellow. I was just, you know, collaboration is one of the most beautiful things I think about this whole process is because ideas are like popcorn. And it was just last week, I had one kid who, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm like, go walk around the room, see what your friends are doing. If something that your friends are doing makes you interested, go do what they're doing or do it better or do it different. And in about two seconds, she was doing something. She was building popsicle stick houses like her friend was. But the the idea of being able to be in a group of people who you like is also, I think, helps with, um, you know, that that whole idea of being fearful of putting your input in or, or not being recognized or whatever. And so when those groups can happen organically, um, it makes it, it, it just makes it so much more fun, I think, to watch. There's a time and a place for being crammed into groups who you don't get to choose, um, but mm, maybe not art. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think working with uh, with you know providing for collaboration is an optical uh, mode for many children, a, a mode of learning, and um, it's it makes them feel secure and not so anxious, especially when they get into like a flow state, yeah. and um, and they can they feel a part, you know, they feel a connection, and they're not so insecure. Um, and so that's a good thing. And, and, and to document it, just photograph, you know, you can photograph, the teacher can photograph it, the children can photograph it. And, um, that, that makes, that's, you know, magical for lots of kids. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I like in the, in my art room and the, and then when the kids do work on projects together, I really do find evidence of true actual collaboration and not cooperation it's not yeah. somebody's doing the lab report and everybody else is just and you get you really get opportunities to recognize the fact that they're doing true collaboration like look you you're doing this part of the project that you wanted and you're doing this part of the project that you wanted and you can really play up the idea that you guys you tell the kids you know you are truly collaborating you're strong at this you're strong at this you're doing this and you're helping the project this way and really build that into their oh that's what collaboration is not me just doing what so and so tells me to do which is what it normally ends up being yeah they they uh whenever i can i'll go ahead and videotape conversations and some of the conversations are powerful and you can hear the actual exchange of ideas and if uh, you know folks who can see, you know these uh, these kinds of events, these are bona fide learning events that are super powerful. And um, you know what you know as an advocacy tool for your program, that's magical. That is magic. But um, uh, so Claire, yeah, Claire's not with us anymore. But that's she was next in line with her question. Let's move on to. Oh, she had a question about storage. And I think somebody else had a question about storage tips. Um, I don't know. That's that's a tough question. Uh, when you run out of room, just start getting rid of art. <laughs> Send it home. Send it home and uh, or get an alternative storage space because uh, you don't want the fire marshal coming to get you. Uh, you don't want – that's happened to me. I've been busted. Stacy, have you been busted by the fire marshal? 
No, I wanted to jump backwards a minute, just Go really to the collaboration. You know, you can really see, like when you allow, when you make that mind shift and you allow for real collaboration, you can see the authentic shift from product to process. And like, you can just see that energy and that fire that they get from learning from each other. And a lot of it just has to do with us stepping back and saying, who cares what comes out of it? Like what comes out of it is just one of the byproducts of whatever is happening here. And what's happening is where the learning is. Like that's, that's what the goal is, not the thing that they take home. So, you know, it's easy to convince an administrator of that when they come in and they see it or when the kids provide evidence themselves because the kids are the greatest advocates. Like if, if the kids record themselves talking about what they did or write about what they did and learning from each other and, you know, no administrator can argue with that. It's, it's better than a thousand pieces of art, you know? Absolutely. Yes, Stacy, thank you so much. Um, I want to uh, mention that. Uh, oh, Jennifer, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I you just made me think of it. I think one of the, um, you know, having kids write about what they did. I think one of the, one of the big things that's helped to advocate for TAB in our school is the, um, is the artist statements that the kids put under their work it just m makes them so much more profound and meaningful and um and valued by other people who haven't seen the process who haven't had the conversations and um and they can see what is you know, you get such an insight into what's going on in this little person's mind, and I just love the artist statements and and everyone. Who, and and it made our art show so much better when we when everyone was going around reading the artist statements that kids had written. And we do all sorts of artist statements. I tell the kids to think of all the sorts, all the genres of writing they've learned in um, in their classroom and pick one to use for their for their artist statements in art. And and they're really really beautiful I think it's a really um, really strong selling point to back up what we do that's all <laughs> the artist statement is a that is like a, a game breaker I think with respect to art uh, exhibits uh, particularly when it comes to tab because uh, you know there's your proof and um, of the meaningful experience that just took place um, I want to touch on clay, on ceramics, and Jean, can you hear me? Jean, Jean Barnett? Yeah, yeah. I'm, Jean, I'm sorry, my hands are dirty <laughs> as uh, I play with clay. <laughs> Jean, a, there was a question about tab and ceramics and offering choice mm -hmm. with clay, and I cannot thank you enough for sticking around. You are an expert ceramicist and potter thank you and how how do you how do you approach tab and you've written articles and written in your blog about this uh topic doing um single mediums with tab single medium like clay 
um, what is there any insight? Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Uh, well, um, so you were bringing up. Um, I have. Uh, it took me a while to build my program and to figure out how to do tab really with a single medium and still allow them to have choice. And that's when I realized it's not about the medium, it's about the thinking process. Um, I spent a lot of time in the front in their beginning with them learning the techniques. I, I think with a single media or medium, you do need to understand certain techniques, especially with clay, you need to know how to handle, you need to know these things. It's not like, there, there's exploring with building and stuff like that, but there are specific things with clay that you do need to know and you do need to understand. Otherwise, your piece are, is gonna explode or it's gonna fall apart or glazes aren't gonna work right and things like that. So they learn the, for me, I have them learn the basic techniques, the basic hand building techniques. And then I've taken Ian's nine and developed them more towards ceramics. I did a lot of research of what categories things fall under so that throughout beginning ceramics and I have it for a full year they can practice their building techniques and just kind of practice playing around if it doesn't work it doesn't matter they're still learning how to do that but still have choice so like we just did nature and they were all over the place with how they interpreted nature um, one kid, his slab project failed. He decided to do a B that was all triangular out of slabs. And I was like, go for it. And everything that went wrong, he figured out. And his B is awesome. You know, right. so it really gives me a chance to think through the process, think of how I can interpret things, but still have a safe space to. Um, not a safe space, but I, I don't know. I, I lost my train of thought. So you and then in intermediate, I use more themes. And then this year in uh, my advanced class, they're choosing. They've got to. It's weird because only there's only one girl in my advanced class who's there. Everyone else is at home, so that's been a real struggle this year uh, with Clay at home. But they've been choosing, and they're telling me like one girl's like, I need more themes. Like they're telling me what they need and what they want and how they want to do clay. Some of them are really more into like weird, thoughtful pieces. And one girl's like, I want to make a bunch of gifts for my mom. I'm like, go for it. You know, that's that's the beauty of it. So it really, you kind of build that independence as you go forward and they really kind of, you can, you've been with them so you know how they work, what they need and that kind of stuff. So they, they could do like, they could have one choice could be perhaps make a tan amounter. And another choice could be make a make a a, a thrown pot piece of pottery, uh, and another choice could be do a hand built pottery. Could, could those yeah, could be they, choices? They get to choose, um, giving them the the like nature or architecture gives them a place to start because a lot of them, especially my population, needs that. They are not a lot of them are, aren't there yet. Um, and then I only have four wheels, so the, the kids they who want to try it, they try it, some try it, and then don't want to do it, and then come back a year later and fall in love with it. So it just depends. Nobody's on the wheel now because of COVID, and I'm not going to deal with that. But um, it really, I think it's helpful. Some kids really like the wheel, and then they just kind of take off, and that's all they do. 
I had one kid one year that he was like, he finished something early. He's like, you teach me? I was like, sure. He never came back to hand building for the rest of the year. All he did was throw things and work on his throwing. So, and then he bought a wheel after he graduated. So. He found his pathway. Yeah. Um, thank you, Gene. Uh, any, does anyone else want to speak on this topic? Stacy, what do you, are you doing clay, Stacy, in, in your class? Uh, no, I, I let them work with polymer clay, but the kiln in our, in our middle school is a storage room. <laughs> it's, like a, it's blocked up. I want to show you guys something before we get off. I just want to show you like a 13 second treat from today. Well, well go ahead. Can you <laughs> well, share your screen? Okay, yeah. Hold on. Go ahead and share your screen. Hold on. Let me see if I have it up. Okay. This kid, this is a 14 year old, and she's new and she's quiet and she's a thinker. And she asked if she could make herself, she wanted to make herself like a destroyed Christmas. And she wanted to glue things to her face, make prosthetics, and we ran, we we're kind of running out of time. This is, and so I, I said, let me clear it. So I didn't interfere with her mask. I got it cleared through. I said, you know, okay, she wanted to wear it for the whole day, the last day of school before break. And I said, all right, you know, I, I can argue or for you that you have to come in and we have to take pictures. And she said, no, wearing it in school is the art. And I was like, <laughs> and my principal did the same thing, which was awesome. She's new this year too. So hold on, let me just give you the film of her. So we get to experience the power of art. Can you see it? It's coming up. Oh my goodness. So she, she sat in class today and did this. <laughs> Oh my goodness. How rad is that? That's sci-fi. That's so surreal. And, ah, hold on, stop. <laughs> and the kids, because of the COVID protocols, she sits all the way in the front of the room. She's super quiet. The kids didn't really know what she was doing. And kids were like tapping my desk. Um, Spanish. What's happening up there? And I was like, she's making art. <laughs> so then they came up and talked to her and then she had this group around her and then she had a group like helping her place the lights because she was trying to figure out whether to drape or play. I don't know, it was just such a cool day. Wow. <laughs> I've never seen anything. I've never seen Christmas uh, celebrated in such a manner. <laughs> That's wild. But you know, uh, you know, the, I, is she doing okay? Um, no, she's fine. No, she's fine. That's unique. She's fine. Really? She's just a really interesting human. She's like a very deep, weird, cool thinker. She she sat on a Google Meet with me for an hour, um, and she was just telling me all of these art ideas. This girl never hardly ever utters a word. She wanted to make a piece based on. Um, strange fruit, Nina Simone, and she, you know, she was like, "There's this song," and like, I was like, 
what? <laughs> it's just like so much thought out of this tiny, quiet human. Just wow. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Stacy, for sharing. Right. That is awesome. that was so cool. That is sci-fi. That is really wild. Um, so Cheryl Maxwell asked the question. She says, uh, I'm wondering about trying to transition to tab in the time of COVID on a cart in other teachers' rooms. And um, I'm thinking that Clark, uh, who's not here right now, he's that's exactly what, well, he's not transitioning. He's been doing it forever. But are you doing that now, Mrs. Ballow? Can you share any advice for uh, Cheryl Maxwell? So it depends on like how many kids you have and what the storage ability of your teachers are. So in, in our school, our, we're elementary, the kids are masked if they're up. And so they're actually allowed to collaborate a little bit and kind not share materials, but they can come up and get their own stuff. And so in their classrooms, I have for them um, a stack of small cut, not like they're full sized everything, but small cut cardboard, um, colored paper. I have old praying marker boxes that um, the markers came in and they're like little mini sculptures in here. I've got pom-poms and pipe cleaners and feathers and you know, like the usual stuff. And those stay in the classroom. My cart that I take from classroom to classroom has the paint that I will distribute if they want it. Um, any pop-up centers that we're using for that day in that one class that then goes and rests for a week until I move it to another class. Um, but I have supplies that they have in their classroom so I don't have to go back and forth. Um, and then I have stuff on my cart which nobody but me touches and that way I have to sanitize all that crap in the meantime. Um, but if you've got the capability to leave some stuff in your um, teacher's classrooms, and I even do like, um, uh, egg, I use egg cartons for paint palettes. And so I have, you know, there's like a little bucket of paint palettes that the kids can reuse week after week. So that has helped. Uh, at the beginning I was doing, I'm bringing everything, but then you don't have anything. So if you can leave some stuff in the kid's classroom, even if it's rudimentary stuff, like just paper or just markers, um, that yeah. helps immensely. That's, that's a bit, that's yeah. really helpful. I would have never thought about that. Uh, yeah. That's Excellent point. Been a life there. And the kids keep, we got pizza boxes for everybody this year. So they have 14 by 14 inch pizza boxes that their work, that they're working in progress goes in. And I tell the kids, if it can't fit in your box, it goes home. So if you're building something, don't put it together until the last day, right? Mm -hmm. So just leave it in pieces in your pizza box. And then on the last day, when you think you're done painting all of the pieces, parts, then put it together and we can photograph it and then you can take it home. Otherwise it's going to go by. Do you have 45 minute specials right now? Y'all are going to hate me. I have an hour and a half. Oh dang. Yeah. I have 25 minutes. <laughs> it's, so, so if you've, and I've done it to where I have 45 minutes. And so, you know, that behooves the, it makes it so much easier better if the kids already have their materials in the classroom because if they know you're coming and they know that it's going to be open studio or you know like whatever you're doing if you if you know in advance that you're not going to do a demo that day or whatever you can like just as soon as i hit the dough we go in you know it's like go ahead and have it oh, yeah. ready you know <laughs> it's like dark week it's like blood and there's blood and water we know you're coming yes 
they can they smell when there are they can smell it when there are teachers the anticipation's there and uh it's like woohoo <laughs> and we communicate real well with the classroom teachers so they know in advance and our students we send out a weekly email that they so they know when something um like they're definitely going to do a demo that day so they're prepared um for whatever i'm gonna do but if they know it's straight up open studio i like walk in the door i'm like okay anybody need me all right get going <laughs> yeah. if you, hey, if you don't need instruction, go. You're on. I'm your like, way. yeah. If you don't, if you don't need anything, go goodbye. Go yeah, go do, go do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, we're and I know we're running out of time, but yeah, it's basically, uh, uh, you know, if you know, if if the kid is, you know, uh, like the Energizer Bunny and ready to go, give them their stuff and send them on their way, like you say, and uh, that's that. And let's and let's have a conversation later when it's convenient for you, but otherwise I don't want to bother you. If you're in, if you're doing, you know, uh, if you're in creative flow, if you're in an artistic state of mind in which you're, uh, you want to get into your work, heaven forbid, I don't want to mess that up. But, um, you know, and it's like a play state for many children. You don't want to get involved in that. Uh, just um, supervise them, make certain, you know, like Kathy Douglas said, what is the least amount of information I can give to a child to help propel them uh, on their creative journey or their artistic journey? And you don't have to do huge interventions with a lot of kids. And so. Who had 25 and, minutes? uh yeah i think we're down to like uh two two three more minutes no no i was asking oh, we we are doing face-to-face -face 25 oh, minutes is all that we have 25 minutes um and then virtual is 25 minutes which i don't mind virtual being 25 minutes because yeah. that's my nemesis but that's about one day a week and then the others are also on the same schedule so so yeah it's 25 minutes we can't do a yeah. little yeah, you can't do a lot when your uh, classes are short. I, Courtney, I had a similar situation when I was uh, teaching elementary. And, you know, classes were 30, they were 40-minute classes, but really it boiled down to 25 minutes. But yours are actually 25 minutes. That's and I'm going to their classrooms, of course. So, yeah, it, it makes it, it's pretty restricted. But I've been super impressed at the energy one of the kids in kindergarten said i love this cart the cart that i drag around and i said oh my god wait till you get to see the art room if you love the cart i bring yeah the uh the uh adversity that we have to uh deal with you know in order to deliver uh art experience in schools today and um well, I think, you know, being respectful of everybody's time, I know you guys would stay here longer if, uh, if I asked you to, but um, uh, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. I will publish this. I'll put this in the files section of the tab educators forum so other folks can check it out. Um, is there any last words, any last comments anybody wants to make? Very important. Go is ahead, the tab tab mass art tab institute happening this summer do you know anything about that it's in the works right now i i can't uh it's going to be 
Uh, Last minute. <laughs> well, it's going to be virtual. It, it, it's, uh, I believe, yes, it's, uh, Diane is organizing an, a virtual TAB Institute and folks who uh, were, uh, uh, I, I probably, I shouldn't say this, but, um, uh, but I we know that folks who, <laughs> folks who, um, were you are recording it though. <laughs> I know. I I do believe that, uh, you know some people who were uh, involved last time who got cut out are going to get priority uh, if they so decide they want to sign up again. But it's going to be a virtual tab institute because of COVID, and um, uh, but we will do our best. To, to make it a meaningful experience. Um, it just, can't, you can't, you know, Diane was very straightforward uh, and, and rightfully so uh, with respect to canceling it last year. We couldn't, there was no way with COVID, um, we just could not do an in face-to-face -face tab institute, it was not, not have been done and and uh so but uh we can do a virtual and i think that's what diane has in mind i'm pretty certain that we've we're going forward with it so um that's where we're at with it well i will uh, do next next year when it's in person again because i'm done with the virtual but hey i'm glad other people get to do it <laughs> yeah it, it'll it'll be a virtual version um that's the best we can do right now so, um, uh, but yeah, Courtney, we had a blast last time. There's nothing like face-to-face, -face. nothing like it. So, well, thank you all. Um, Robin, thank you. Ms. Ballos, thank you. Jean, uh, Courtney, Stacy, thank you. Michael, thank you. Rachel, thank you for spending more time. Uh, Jennifer, thank you for hanging out with us. Who else did I, did I miss anybody? Um, uh, uh, Jean was with us. Um, let's see. Um, I hope I didn't miss anybody, but thank you all so much. We will, uh, my pleasure, Jean. Uh, we'll do this again. We'll do another meetup again, probably after the holidays. Yes. <laughs> Michael, thank you for showing up. Um, and good seeing everybody, and we have to have more conversations. No matter how complicated they are, we will continue having conversations. So thank you all. We'll Bye. see you later. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.